0: It's fun doing it, but at the end, your brain is going,
1: Welcome to the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal to suck a little less every day. I am your host, Chris Tonkinson. And I'm Frank Cole. And this is episode number five, or as Frank would have it, zero, zero, five, zero, zero, because five. he's an automaton. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, do you have a problem with my with my reading of, of
1: articles? Is is
0: that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? That, I, I, that you I have a problem.
1: Well, I think you could have ended the sentence after the word me, uh, you know, the problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so in, in a little pre-show jab, Chris was, uh, Chris was giving me a little guff for, uh, you know, talking through uh the article for for purely commentary purposes a few weeks ago and uh, i just honestly don't know where the hell he gets off saying such things i
1: was i was what well-earned chiding i was <laughs> represented as i don't i don't understand your characterization of the, of the truth but that's fine <laughs> look you're entitled
0: <laughs> to your opinion no matter how wrong it might be all right so you know
1: whatever <laughs> that's what i that's that's one of my favorite lines i said look this is a free country you're free to be wrong <laughs> you're wrong that's exactly right and uh, gets a laugh like 40 percent of the time <laughs> So uh, you
0: know, sp- speaking of free country it sure as hell has been a uh, a busy busy couple of news days actually a couple of news weeks now we are not going to pre- preamble. No politics. We're not we're not going there at all, but it is a no. crazy time right now. We're recording this January 7th. There's a lot going on. The one there are two, however, that are, are relevant to what we're talking about around here. And that was a recent major slack outage that happened. And there was a surprise, also,
1: surprise. Surprise. You know.
0: So there was that. And, and we can talk about that. And then there's also this big solar winds. They're, they're, they're calling it the solar winds hack. Now, my current company actually has some uh some decent proximity to this um we have uh done some some work in and around some of the uh government entities that deal with this kind of stuff and so uh it has been fun to be uh for me personally I'm kind of on the sidelines i've i've gotten to uh attend some um some conversations both internally and then some some partner level conversations with um with the uh, you know government organizations and uh that's it's 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 scary for <laughs> it's scary for a couple of reasons one what actually happened which i think is actually really interesting but two listening to some of the some of the the follow-ups from partners and people who were impacted and the questions they've got about fixing these things. And these are presumably the people who are in a position to do something
1: about it. And I go, Oh my God, I can't believe you just had to ask that question. It's, it's painful. It's, it's painful, very, very painful. There is a, there is an impressive lack of leadership on some of those issues. That's well, it's on not even right now.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not even the, the, the lack of, it's not the lack of leadership this is not a this is not even a government thing or a leadership thing this is just an engineer technical thing you know there's a it it does not surprise me in the slightest when you hear about well uh well-informed uh higher-ups in in technical organizations who don't let their families uh you know use facebook or you know other yeah, you're you're exactly.
1: dancing around the classic example, which is of course that Steve Jobs would not let his children own an iPad.
0: Oh, there is the, yeah, there's that one. There's the Steve Jobs won't let his kids mm-hmm. own an iPad. I can speak from personal experience. There is zero chance that my kids get anywhere near a Facebook account, a Twitter account, Instagram. Probably, I'm honestly at this point, I'm thinking 18. Like the the you know, some of the studies that are coming out about the impacts that social media have on your on your brain the dopamine release is very similar to what you get from actually taking it, drugs it is
1: an addiction it, i mean let's just be call an it, addiction. What it is. like like i don't you know, so we don't want to get political here. Obviously, we're not a news show or 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 you know commute jabber show. But but let's let's not pull punches here. It it is there are addiction processes at work. Well, that's not even politics. Now, you're just talking your tech. tech. Yeah, I mean, you're just no, I, tech, well, no, I'm just I'm not I'm just saying it uh, saying it straight up. This that that's what these systems produce is the same biochemical mm-hmm. reactions, responses, yeah. conditioning. Uh, that you know that that substance use disorder uh, uh does it's yeah. it's it's scary it's, it's scary it's,
0: it's scary stuff i mean so-
1: t- to perfect example uh you know we don't have my my kids uh, n- you know not to get preachy but um you know my kids they get uh, they get one show a day they're allowed to go watch tv one show a day and uh we you know uh, we run Plex. I don't know if you've, uh, I know you've done like uh, XBMC and things in the past, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we do Plex. So a half an hour kid show is actually only 21 minutes once you cut out the commercial. So um, <laughs> now we, I mean, you know, they, they watch movies from time to time. We're not complete prudes, but uh, generally the TV is not on during the day. Uh, and they don't have iPads. They don't have phones. They don't oh, have I toys. They, that. they don't have screens. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so my son, my, my oldest son goes to uh, kindergarten this year. Uh, and every kid in the class gets an iPad to do work. And we've got some reasonable hesitation about this, but, you know, so what are you, you going to do? You're going to raise a stink and then just cause problems for the kid, you know? So, all mm-hmm. right, well, let's see how this plays out. And and it's, it's not unreasonable. It's not too much time too often. So, okay. Um, but then for the whole, you know, virtual hybrid modes, full virtual shift that, mm-hmm. that a lot of places are doing. Uh, you know, a lot of that's done through the iPad and Zoom, and okay, so that's fine. Um, right. But there were times early on where there are certain systems that the the teachers saying, "Okay, hey, you know, go ahead and go uh, access this resource. Just bring it up on an iPad for them." And we're thinking, uh, you know, kind of like a like if I made like a check your privilege moment. So we don't have an iPad, lady. Like, what do you want us to? Oh, well, I <laughs> think it works on the web. And meanwhile. I'm my blood is up to my chin. I am boiling over because the web experience of these products is absolute garbage. I mean, it's <laughs> it's so bad. LastPass isn't even able to autofill because they're doing such aberrant things to the login page. Oh, oh. Um, the I wasn't sure where you were
0: going sure with going that for a second there. So you, oh my god! So gosh. on the one hand, you you you've actually so sort of, on the one hand, why are you making my kid do this thing? So you got the parent part of your brain and then the other side and 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 not only are you making me use it this thing is god-awful technological crap
1: too i can't your even user experience <laughs> is a hot flaming dumpster fire like, <laughs> I, and by the way i'm now now that we're past it and again uh, you mentioned we're, we're recording this on january 7th 2021 um so we can now statute of limitations has elapsed we are now able to verbize 2020 so like this you user <laughs> experience is a complete twenty twenty and yet and and this is what the kids are doing all day that like the technologist in me I was just I was up to here, I had to walk <laughs> away. I was like, all right, you figure it out uh that's fine if if you did something wrong, blame me, and I'll talk to the teacher kids like you're you're good you're, as far as I'm concerned, you check your boxes for the day, you get outside, <laughs> so
0: <laughs> I am. So you and my wife are in the same boat with the screen time thing. I am I they I certainly agree that you can't have a kid in front of it all the time all day. Uh my daughter for example, we uh we were just coming off of the uh the the Christmas break and uh wasn't anything going on, there was literally nowhere to go, nothing to do and she got herself hooked on a show and was was binge watching it and we thought hmm we're really, Jen's really good about screen time. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, we uh, made sure, you know, th- we made this one exception. So we we let her binge watch it. And yeah, she was, she seemed okay with it. I didn't notice any, any direct behavioral differences or anything like that, but we wouldn't let her do that all the time. Okay. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's kind of a sidebar. The, the, the key here is
1: that, she uh my wife agrees with you. wait a minute 30- let me pause you there this whole conversation this whole episodic conversation we're having is a sidebar we're inviting other people into so maybe I don't we think should have just called the show it,
0: maybe we should have called the show sidebar because that's really how the, the conversations sidebar. tend to go because yeah. it's like a sidebar like have we ever actually finished a conversation no, on this show so. at all no <laughs> and
1: i don't plan on doing so no, I, so like if you're listening to this and that's what you're expecting it's you know yeah, we don't started it
0: <laughs> we started it Solar Winds. We'll get back there,
1: I promise. Don't sit on your hands. Now, we're talking about, you know, my Polly Pocket Pony or whatever the, you know. <laughs> uh, whatever. It, I know what little girls It watch.
0: was uh know. in this case it was How to Train Your Dragon, uh Race how to, to train the your dragon. Race to the Edge. I think is what it's called okay. it's a, They actually took the the movies and turned it into a multi-year cartoon show and mm-hmm. it's actually I I sat down and watched it with her. It's actually pretty good if it, not just because they got the entire original cast. So you know how sometimes they do that? They have the movie and then they come up with the TV show and the TV show no. are always these knockoff voice actors that sound kind like, of like, like the
1: original actors. They're like B minus actors. The,
0: the, right. <laughs> it, 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 they, they're they less concerned about their ability to voice act and more concerned with how closely they approximate the actual yes. actor who did the role. the voice. Okay. Of, so in yes. this case, they have the entire original cast and they did it for, for six or seven seasons. I was really impressed that they okay. were able okay. to do that. And it was, a, it was a fairly good show. It's good for the kids. It's fun. Um yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's right in line. Uh, so I, I didn't content wise, I didn't mind it at all. Um, so anyway, I am probably more liberal on the, on the screen time than uh, my wife, and it sounds like you even, uh, and I think that probably goes back to you know just my own my own upbringing because I, I mean I've been a screen junkie my entire life. You know I I started gaming when I was
1: five, and it was you know fighting for
0: opportunities to to play
1: ever ever to get since. back to it. No, I mean look, I'm uh, nobody can see I'm raising my right hand at the moment. My name is Chris, and and I'm a screen junkie, and, yeah. I, and I and I and my wife grew up on tv mm-hmm. uh video you know game boy and atari mm-hmm. and 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 you know and up well more me on the gaming side than her although she yeah. somehow i don't know how she can still beat me at crash bandicoot this is really <laughs> bothering me um so my my wife bought me a, a playstation last year when ff7r came out and uh and i was like well you know is there anything we could play together and so crash Band, she still houses me i, I don't understand it um no, I'm I'm screen, i have, I've you know I was born and raised on it and that's and I turned out okay. Uh at least one would argue. Um the other, you know, 7.2 billion would probably not. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it's a it's a choice. And it depends the other thing though, it depends on the kid. Cause we have, you know, we have uh two, you know, my my daughter's almost four, my son's five. Um, they're very different personalities and they respond very differently. So if I leave the TV on all day, my daughter uh, who's you know almost four she'll she'll watch it and while she's playing and she'll leave the room it's it's on and it gets her attention sometimes and that's really well, yeah, the that's the age my too. son that's the age my son he's he's got more of my m- me in him in this regard he'll get sucked in and glued to it and mm-hmm. like 10 hours later you will peel his dried <laughs> eyeballs from the screen uh you know and then he's just shot the rest of the day well right and the behavior is the is the and the shows yeah and the shows there are certain shows we don't let them watch because when they do like we see their behavior changes we say okay i'm deleting that right let me let me go into is it sonar or radar whichever one is for tv shows and i i delete the whole thing because it's Mm -hmm. not um yeah i mean like if there's a snow day or if they're sick or you know we have a movie night they get tv more than that but Um, that's, that's the rule and it's often broken, I would say, but yeah, it sounds like, um, it it sounds like your wife and I would agree. Yeah.
0: But I'm, 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 I tend to be more, more liberal with it. Um, so there's a, there's a webcomic I follow called Penny Arcade uh, and you've probably heard of it. Yep. So gaming, gaming webcomic. So one of the, uh, the, the artists there's, it's a duo on that uh, on for that. And, uh, the artist names, uh, Mike, I'm going to butcher his last name. I've never actually heard it pronounced Mike Krahulik. Hullick, Krhullick, I don't know, Crackalacking. Mike is. Go ahead, go ahead. Take it. taking another. I'm just taking a few yeah a few, sh- you know, a few stabs, and just <laughs> butcher it further. Mike is. Uh, he has actually spoken about this before in the comic, and and he um, he makes uh, he has he makes exceptions for his own kids where things are concerned with like um, Minecraft. So yeah, you're looking at a screen, but in Minecraft, you're Imagining, you're visualizing, you're building, you're creating. it's very it's very much an a, a mental exercise the way that, say, building blocks or Legos would be. this is his this is his line of thinking. Mm-hmm. so you're you're you are engaging your senses and you it's not so he takes no and on, i he takes on bridge i and,
1: I agree completely,
0: right. So he takes on bridge, and I agree with him that you you just simply lump everything under this heading of screen time because it's on a screen. And that is inaccurate. No, that's, no, that's inaccurate. It's it's I about TV, it's on about board. the passive. Yes, yes,
1: yes. There, there is not all screen time is created equal. Right. So, in my daily life, I have three kinds of screen time. There's me. Glued to a TV show right now, um, and but I have this tendency where I don't actually watch new shows. Mm -hmm. I wait until they've already the series has ended five years ago, and enough people have told me over the last decade and a half that I should watch (laughs) it that I finally Mm -hmm. get curious. Uh, So right now I'm going through Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is uh, a great show. I like it. I like it more every day. Brooklyn Nine Nine Um, is amazing. So there's there's TV and movies, right? There's passive watching. That's passive. Another right. kind of screen time, you and I are very familiar with this, is work, right? So whether that's programming or emails or you know, whatever it is we're doing, we're being productive with the computer. Mm-hmm. That's one type. Mm-hmm. And then there's gaming. Mm-hmm. And I think they are all three. They have, their, they have their rough edges. They have their purposes. Nothing is evil. Uh, but they are not the same. They're not right? the so same. If, if I spend eight hours watching TV, I'm going to be in pain. Like that's, I'm not going to be in a good place. No, I will uh, be, is, my
0: brain will be mush. If I did, yeah. I have done it before. I've watched the Star Wars trilogy over the, the real trilogy, the
1: original. Let's, let's be
0: specific. You don't have to qualify. Self-respect. I think any red-blooded God-fearing American would say that
1: <laughs> we know what you mean when you say the thought trilogy.
0: Yeah. You know, <laughs> I could I could sit here and say it's really a shame they didn't continue that Star Wars story. You know, it is it is a, <laughs> it is shit. a they shame they did
1: four, five, and six, and they never made anything else. And I they never they made anything, anything else, and it's do. such a crying shame. <laughs> so just like that movie, The Matrix. I really wish they would. Wish they, they had done it. A- There's a lot of potential. <laughs> okay, there. see now you're just quoting XKCD. Now you're just
0: quoting XKCD because they did a call. Did they? Oh my gosh. In the comic, no, it's really a shame. What are you talking about? They made, and then the stick figure character bashes the crap out of the one who's talking about the actual follow-ups, and then they go back. Yeah, it really is a shame that they didn't do.
1: Oh, my! I didn't realize they did that. Of course, it's like, you know, I feel like t- half of what I say, it turns out XKCD did five years ago. Well,
0: XKCD <laughs> did everything before it was I'm cold. really an
1: uncreative boob. That's, that's
0: the... <laughs> So anyway, if I watch that whole trilogy over the course of a day, my brain will be absolute mush. I have gone to uh, New Year's Eve movie uh,
1: double features. And mm-hmm. at the end of those double, yeah. fe-
0: it's, it's fun doing it. But at the end, your brain is going Rawr.
1: on one year on New Year's Day. I did the extended cut of Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings yeah, trilogy in yeah, a day. Did. That's like a 16 hour day right there. I, and I needed 16 hours of sleep to recover. It. <laughs> it's Painful. The
0: The movie watching experience is as epic as the story. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, my brain will be mushy after that. My brain is totally fine after work, depending on what the work is. I mean, if if I'm yeah. tired, it's because the work was tiring. It has nothing to yeah. do with the fact that I'm looking at a screen. Uh, I've been working 100%. You and I have both been 100% remote for I've been doing 100% remote for eight more years? ten years. You've been doing it for yeah. eight. I think I eight at a stretch. We've been mm-hmm. doing eight at a stretch. If I add up all, all of my remote years, I'm at about 12, eleven or twelve right now. So um, yeah. yeah, we had that little break in between.
1: And yeah, um, I think I think fourteen for me in the last seven have been full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're we're about the same. But yeah, it's after a day of work. But we could also you could sit down, uh, sit down in front of a game, and then rock that for five hours without blinking. Yep. Yep. Stand up and go about your day. And my my head will be. It's that mental component. You're mentally. And I've yeah, It's it's absolutely the mental component.
0: And so I I do not like the term screen time for that reason because it lumps all of that stuff together, and I think that that is uh, very very ignorant and short-sighted uh i'm all about limiting how much tv time you know passive mm-hmm. passive show watching you can't even say tv anymore given all the you know plethora plex time <laughs> whatever so uh it's it's more about that and and monitoring that but my wife We 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 argue about this because my wife puts it all together, and I I try. No, it's not the same. If she's over here doing a thing, she's literally doing a thing. Her brain is working. This is TV. This is not TV.
1: Well, so I I think I think there's yeah, there's definitely a spectrum of opinion there because as far as as far as the mental exercise is concerned, there is hands down, no bones about it, a fundamental difference that they're not the same activity whatsoever, but. From a vision and body mechanic standpoint, yeah, they're more alike than they are different. Well, I mean, um, if, but if I think you're to your point, I think like I think that. an argument can be made. An argument can be made that, no, not all screen time is equal. And, yeah, and I, that's the point I'm making. Yes, you're sitting
0: right. you're, You know, you are stagnant physically while you're doing right.
1: these things. So oh, but okay. that but that also that doesn't mean so. So I'm I'm with you up to that point. All right, yeah. yeah. Let's. So let's. So this is uh, on on this episode of the tangent, or what do we call it? The sidebar. Sidebar. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, and and really,
0: like if you want to be accurate about it, it would have to be sidebar colon sidebar.
1: <laughs> the sidebar story. The with sidebar story. A sidebar with yeah. By Featured, sidebar featuring featuring
0: a sidebar. sidebar. I mean, that's really that's that's how it goes. <laughs> or you know inception meme sidebar sidebar yeah
1: right. yeah yep. or no what's the i don't actually know the source of the meme but it's gotten really i've seen it a lot lately there's a there's the earth and an astronaut and there's an astronaut behind him with a gun <laughs> yeah wait it's a sidebar i don't know where that comes always from but been. always has been yeah <laughs> i don't know the origin
0: of that one either but i i do like it and yes that works here too wait there are oh my sidebar? gosh so
1: how do we- so, so how do we get here from solar winds?
0: you know what? We're gonna to have to go back to the audio tape to really we- it. <laughs> okay. let's do a- Let's go back to the videotape. Yeah, let's let's do, let's do a replay. So Sol- SolarWinds, solar uh, winds. It was so we we got on this because because I have seen uh, I had opportunity to listen in on um, on internal stuff and uh, CISA cybersecurity infrastructure mm-hmm. security agency the people who are you know responsible for yep. the security of the country digital security of the country and they uh those calls are it's it's a wide attendance so uh, yeah. and and I and I don't have um names or organizations to go along with it but you know people were on the call asking questions and it made me think Please tell me you're not in the IT department asking that question, because I mean, my goodness, um,
1: for, but not, for, not all not all technical leadership though is technical.
0: Well, true, and it and doesn't that's, have that's to part be part of and I'm the trying issue. Draw, there. There's a yeah. and and okay, so fair distinction. You can you can be a leader of a technical organization without having technical expertise. But I gotta say, not a good one. We're, yeah, <laughs> we're we in tech are the only ones that do that. You don't go to a law firm and find somebody managing lawyers who's not a freaking lawyer. You know what I mean? This is the only well, industry think, where that happens. Accountants, I, it, <sighs> it doesn't happen anywhere else. Marketing. Well, I, name name yeah, one field.
1: I, name one field where that happens. Well, no, I'm I'm thinking about it along. A, I, I'm I'm slicing it a different way, and I'm saying you get um, a 30 year. For example, thirty-year automotive executive that becomes CEO of some other, you know, a healthcare company or a, you know, you know some. So, so at the at the at the chief executive level, you have people coming in who are not from that industry at all. So, th- so I'm talking about the organizational leadership. You are, but y- I think I think as far as departmental leadership, to your point, uh, you know, if you're if you're say the CTO role. Right If you're at the departmental inside of the company, uh yeah, then I think you're probably more right than wrong there yeah I would, I mean, I you're agree. making a okay so a valid distinction,
0: but to me, that's an apples and oranges thing because that CEO may be shifting full industry verticals, but they're shifting industry verticals for the product being developed the th- the reason their work skill the reason that they're able to do the move is because. At a certain, in a certain sense, a CEO is a CEO is a CEO. You take two companies in completely different verticals of approximate size, market cap, and those kinds of things, and that CEO is going to be doing the same basic
1: stuff yeah, that the other one's going to be doing, and so coordinating the rest of the C suite, co- communicating right, with the right. board and, and the investors. You, yeah, it's, and bringing it's, not, in, it's nothing about day-to-day operations. It's,
0: it's right. It's, it is about day-to-day operations, but it's—it's it's at such a high level that the specialization of whatever the thing is, the widget that you're matter. that you're making no. is is irrelevant. You are that expertise is fully distributed downstream on Down
1: one level. Right.
0: Right. right. So that's mm. so to me that's that's not really applicable. If you go, like you said, I'm you know director level, manager level, where you know you're overseeing. IT is the only damn place I have ever seen this happen, where you have these people yeah. in charge of. You get this director of technology who. I, 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 we see it with clients all the time, where you know this person is in charge of technology projects, and they did a stint in. Social media marketing or something like that like really it's it. it's sometimes it's absolutely asinine stuff and, you know completely unrelated,
1: but oh yeah, you do the text you're under forty you probably know this go ahead and run yeah. this and no i think I think with this with this additional clarification you've made uh I'm gonna no i'm 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 in agreement with you uh I think I think you're right uh because how many times have you seen you know immediately as at you know let alone uh, from a, from a distance mm-hmm. how many times have you seen um product management own technology functions or um you know uh, some you know uh, somebody with a history of like industrial engineering come in and take over a digital technology team right. or right. you know any number of that stupid crazy uh, Scenario sales or, you know, whoever else it is, a chief operating officer, all of a sudden, you know, the the technology, digital technology rolls up under them. That's it's and it's you're right. It is it is, I think, uniquely tech.
0: Yeah, I, it, it, this is a this is something unique to us. And I got to think that it's because of the relative age of the of the skill set of the vertical as more people become as 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 we develop a a. An end-to-end uh generational coverage. Cause we don't the people who started their career in this and go all the way through this space and then retire in this space, we're just starting to hit that retirement age for some of the earliest ones. Now, yeah, I mean that's the I can see that becoming a bit of a holy war about, you know, when did this stuff start? Well, we were doing this back in the 40s. You know. So, no, you know,
1: but if you if you let's let's just pretend modern, like to support your point, let's just pretend that larger scale organized software development, you know, uh, started. Let's let's just say 1980. Right. And that's wrong for mm-hmm. a whole bunch of reasons. But let's pretend. Right. Then, yeah, we're about 40 years out from that. So somebody started at 20. Now they're mm-hmm. sixty, they're looking to get out um and you're right that's the that's the that's the progression now, certainly there were people doing this before then, but not not at the same scale as far as the market
0: right and and the industry itself has changed the 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 skills have changed and they'll continue to change but the the level of penetration into yeah. Literally every facet of business is, is, is,
1: so literally, weren't recent. people with any kind of management experience that could have run those teams. So, yeah, we pulled this guy, we pulled that, you know, woman in. Um, I think it makes sense.
0: Right. And so now we're getting to a point where hopefully that will stop happening over time, but that won't, that's not going to preclude people from making stupid connections where, you know, oh, you did social media marketing and, you know, we'll just have you run this, this, this technology project and having, no, uh, an actual situation by the way that i have seen <laughs> social media marketing is this is not connected at all so um all right rewind again solar winds so the sidebar story sidebar. with sidebar 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 <laughs> so solar winds is a, a a really interesting hack and actually highlights i think the most vulnerable portions of this entire process so they're calling it a supply chain attack and why is it a supply chain attack the reason it's called a supply chain attack is because they the attackers actually inserted the code prior to i'm I'm really simplifying this so don't go going all super nerd on me here you know uh the the attackers inserted their attack their exploits Prior to the code actually being deployed and out live in a production environment, they actually attacked the systems where the code is produced. They attacked what so we so call the solar pipeline.
1: winds. So solar winds is producing the Orion product, and mm-hmm. the organizations who employ it are receiving that product mm-hmm. as a supply chain attack because the vulnerability that that because the the end-to-end process was exploited upstream of the organization taking receipt of the product.
0: Yeah, and so right. another so, way of putting it is if the if if you had they didn't attack the SolarWinds installation, the server where SolarWinds is installed and running. They attacked
1: the system. when well, SolarWinds that, is SolarWinds is the company. This is the Orion the, product yeah, specific. And it's
0: actually an Orion, even that can be a little bit of a company, yeah, but Orion yeah. is a marketing term, and there are a number of different products yeah. under there. It's actually a very small subset of the Orion product line that this affects. But anyway, they didn't attack a production SolarWinds Orion installation. They attacked solar systems inside of SolarWinds, the company that actually produces. The application inserted that vulnerability, and then just and then left it alone. Solar dutifully does what it does to produce and distribute mm-hmm. the code. So it was it was vulnerable before you even touched it.
1: This so so to, to make it even to make it even simpler with an analogy, that would be like uh, the perpetrator exploiting Google's network and modifying the Chrome web browser. Before you got a chance to download it on a new Windows install, yeah, you downloaded. So an when official you got inst- it, when you downloaded an official installation, and by the way, uh, they did it well uh, because they were so- the packages were signed, signed. as well. Mm-hmm. So so not only did the attackers uh, intrude into the network, they modified the binaries. They also uh, accessed the signing keys and produce valid signatures for those changes. Mm-hmm. So you got you got your version of Chrome, and it was basically. Uh, malware from the the quote unquote from factory the, from the get go, and if malware. you had gone in and checked it and said, "Is this valid? Does this match the signature? Has this been tampered with?" You would have been told no, because that was that was compromised. That's well. how
0: that's how far back <clears throat> in the development process it went. And with a supply chain attack, you talk about you know uh, getting at the certificates and actually signing stuff. Yeah, that and and that was the case here, but. You can even if you get early enough, the reason supply chain attacks are so dangerous and really should be a focus for for everyone, is because if you go far enough back, depending on your security setup, if you go far enough back, if you're able to get early enough into the process, you subvert the the certificate signing entirely if i If I get in before the before the certs are even part of the equation, you get in under that bar. You're just going to you're going to float in with with everything else. And it's going to legitimately be signed by a legitimate uncompromised cert. It it is it's really, really nefarious, nasty stuff. And it blows my mind that we don't think about this stuff more often, because to me, this is probably one of the easiest ways to to compromise code. Uh, I remember about eighteen months ago, Webmin, the open source project Webmin, had a compromise. Oh, I hated that! I always hated that project. <laughs> I always liked Webmin. See, I oh. like Webmin. It it made it it made it. cron jobs. I I I I challenge you to do a cron job faster and easier than that Webmin cron interface because that Webmin cron interface gave me a, albeit ugly but workable calendar. Date time interface to 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 fire off commands that was always easier than the space star. Which you know, is this the day or is this the month? Uh, you know that that thing that you have to do to build them. So anyway,
1: that's it's a sidebar. Again, free country. You're free to be wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, Webmin got compromised the same way. They actually produced a legitimate release that was compromised. Mm-hmm. They didn't attack their, and this is, a, I'm using this because it's a simplification of what's going on with Solar winds right? So Webmin had a pipeline. I think it was a Jenkins pipeline.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The Webmin product was compromised, not because they attacked and hacked Webmin. They attacked the Jenkins server that mm-hmm. built Webmin, and they hacked that server, and then they inserted code using that server. So everything right. looked legitimate coming out the door. And so mm-hmm. that's that is a microcosm of what was happening here. This was obviously much more sophisticated to get in and get under now. the radar and, and install it. But at, at the end of the day, that is exactly what they, what they did. And so now, so, so that's how, that's how the hacked worked. And I think anyone and really everyone, because i mean, all code now is produced with some kind of level of automation, you know, the, the, you know, the repositories.
1: I, I can't, I just, yeah, hopefully, I, I would say, I would say ninety. I mean, I've, I have has. built my career on coming into organizations that uh, developers have to take many, many manual steps to produce a product on their workstation, and then that somehow makes it into production, whether it's a customer's machine or a web server or anything else. Really? I have made a career basically out of saying, no, this is not how we do it in the twentieth century. Their automation exists. Let's please use it. Somebody raises their hand and says, "But it's the twenty-first century." And I say, "Yes, right. I will drag you kicking and screaming into last century to get you a little farther down the line here, (laughs) a little bit closer to this century."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, that's true. That's that's true. Okay.
1: So, but that's you know, I mean, that has twenty-one. Yeah. yeah. So let's you know you've got you've got an automated pipeline. So your developers write code. It gets right. into your repository. Kicks off some jobs. Maybe there's some automated testing. Hopefully that goes on in that pipeline. And then the output is some uh, some I'll say uh, some binary some ex- mm-hmm. I, I should say some executable that then goes into whatever your production environment is. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's automated end to end. Yeah. Right. And so
0: if you're doing that kind of a thing, the security of that pipeline is as important or potentially more important than your than your actual production system. Um, there is a, um, for, uh, uh, so if, if you if you have that kind of a setup, what I'm trying to say is if you have that kind of setup where you actually have a production pipeline, even if it's just simply taking code from dev into Git repo, build binary, push to production, restart production server, even if it's something super simple like that, I would argue that it is more important for you to secure the pipeline than it is to to uh, secure the production server, because here's why. If you have I'm I'm making a a couple assumptions here. Um, It's your product and you host it. It's on your system's. So it's a SaaS product. It's not something that gets pushed out necessarily to client systems. Okay. So there's not a, there is no third party to do installing. Okay. Um, So if you secure the pipeline, then you know and can trust everything that's coming out of there. Then anything in production is arguably less important because, okay, production got hit. New pipeline, push a new one out, blow away the old one. Put the new stuff in there now it does not this does not preclude uh splash damage this does not include you know preclude you know things that affect uh data you know anything that's permanent you know any any kind of permanent data manipulation that happens as a part of an exploit so you know yeah uh, I, there's some nuance yeah, I, here
1: but um, I, I don't think so so one of the other one of the other underlying assumptions you, you kind of hinted at this but to say it clearly one of your other underlying assumptions is that your entire production footprint is itself automated. So you've got uh, infrastructure as code, you've got configuration management, you've got containers, you've got whatever it is where... No, because if you have indicator compromise in your production environment, Mm -hmm. almost without exception, the advice is get a new production environment. And so your ability to do that quickly is really, really important when hours mean dollars. Well,
0: I am saying if you are... Okay, so I am making an argument about uh, cattle over pets, you know the pets versus cattle analogy. You know, certainly
1: you've heard this before, right? Yeah I, I i don't think it's I don't think it's fair to say that it's more important to secure your pipeline. I think it it I would agree at least as far as saying you've got to secure your pipeline first.
0: No, I'm saying both. are no, no, no. I'm both are important. But I'm saying that's exactly what I'm saying. You secure the pipeline first. If I do a priority ordering. Right, so My we're so you and I, stuff.
1: we're coming into a new or uh, an existing organization that let's say lacks discipline from from an operational standpoint, <laughs> and we we take Putting a lay rightly. of the land. Yeah, we take a lay of the land. We say, what do we do first? We know there's gaps everywhere across the board. I think you and I have the same approach, left to right.
0: Right. Yes. Yes. That's. That's exactly what I'm trying it doesn't, to say.
1: It doesn't mean that developer machines or the pipelines or the production environment is more or less important. It just means there's an order of things. And mm-hmm. in order, why would you waste your time further locking down your production environment when your code repo is wide open? It does mm-hmm. start left to right and then you're building on a firm foundation rather than fixing your roof while the foundation's crumbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I that there I would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now I mean and you very quickly, though, move into the directions that I'm talking about, where if you're able to quickly, if, if your automation is good and hardened, it, you're going to get faster at your production. And so that makes that that is moving you towards a cattle versus and not pets approach to servers. For anyone who doesn't know the pets versus cattle analogy, you don't want to treat servers like pets where you nurture and mature, nurture and maintain and love them forever forever. Uh, each and individual and one, each individual server, so long-running servers. That's what it's talking about. Long-running, individually a unique, maintained that is raised servers. for a purpose, raised and it has purpose. a life
1: cycle, and you replace it with others. Right. You and should, they're all the same
0: servers should instead be treated like cattle. Cattles are tr- are treated collectively as a group. If there is something wrong with a single with a single cow, you take it out back and shoot it, and you just move on with the rest. Uh, well, of
1: and in, and and to to my <laughs> earlier point, though, if there's if you have IOC in your production footprint. You call the herd and you raise a new one. Right. Right. Because you don't, you can't prove a negative. You don't know that there was not lateral movement. You don't know there wasn't island hopping. You don't know that there would, you know, the damage is beyond what you know it is. And so um, you nuke and pave. So that's, and then, you know, back to my point then. So infrastructures, code, config management, all of that stuff becomes important because your ability to completely redeploy your environment, whatever that is, uh, is a crucial part of your response strategy. Hmm.
0: Yep. Yep. And as you move in that direction, the individual security of uh, of an, of any one server or any any single actual production instance becomes less and less important because there's a problem. Take it out back and shoot it and put a new one into place. And there actually is a there. Uh, what I'm talking about actually has been codified into what they call the die model, which is distributed, immutable and ephemeral. So distributed, there's more than one of them. They're cloned across. Immutable, it doesn't ever actually change. You actually, you know, it, it mm-hmm. once it's produced, that's it. There's no additional configuration on top of it. And then ephemeral, it's temporary, it's short-lived, and it will, in short order, quote-unquote short order, whatever short happens to be for the for the need, will be replaced with a new one, a new version, and then a, a fully new instance. And so... Mm-hmm. When you actually have an update, you don't maintain the server, you blow away that server and a new server takes its place with whatever changes actually occur. And
1: so that that security becomes less, imp- theoretically, security becomes less important. Now, nah, I, I I, get where that's that die mod. I get where it's going, but it it does not obviate the need to have hard, you know, those immutable images that are going into production. It does not obviate the need to harden those. No, and it no, does not obviate it, and it does not nullify your responsibility as an operator for not instrumenting your environment and uh, being on the lookout for threats, collecting IOCs, doing log analysis. All of that you, you can't. Uh, you can't just say, "Well, my security policy is I rebuild prod every morning." Uh, that that doesn't fly. No, you um, still have so to protect I'm, but your data. You still got to watch your data on top of. Hardened images and security reviews and, you know, uh, instrumentation and review and and all of that. On, on top of all of that, yeah, DIE models are great because security is not one thing, right? So DIE model is not, is not anything on its own. Security mm-hmm. is about layers. It's called defense in depth. So adding yeah. that on top of an already mature program uh, or using that as to say, look, we have no program whatsoever, but this is really easy to start with. Mm-hmm. I'm all in. Yeah. I hadn't heard that acronym before, but I really like that. That's, that's yeah. a, that's a succinct codification of, of, you know, what we're trying to do with, you know, containers and so forth. It's, that's it's a really good, um, really good, uh, mnemonic.
0: I, I actually, um, actually had, um, actually had opportunity to meet the original creator progenitor of this, of this, uh, his name is, uh, Sunil Yu and, um, actually had opportunity to meet and and talk with him about it and, you know, the way that he's pushing it. And, um, we, uh, we actually got to speak with him and, and, you know, push, I actually asked him some of the same questions as he was pushing this he's pushing this as, as the way forward for security. You know, the way forward for security is not security. It is isolated. It it is, it is limiting. It's limiting the blast radius. And really when you think about it, it's, it, it, it makes sense. Because what does security buy you? Security doesn't buy you a guarantee. Security buys you time, the time to breach, time
1: to actually make an impact. So if you, well, it's, it's, so if you work for the assumption- it's compatible, it's it's compa- so it's it's not incompatible with a zero trust model. And furthermore, it right. is in line with and, and this is just a growing industry shift uh in line with assume breach mentality. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to put up it a really thick bridge. outer wall and then pretend like everything inside of the castle Correct. gates is safe. I'm always going to assume that there's a malactor at every level of everything and I'm I'm going to try my best to put controls in place time, against every that. Every time there's a and having and if if servers ultimately servers are the are the footprint where where uh attackers reside, making sure they get recycled frequently like diapers mm-hmm. and for the same reason I'm all in as as adding that as a component to the overall program. Right. So he um I mean he
0: pushes this as, you know, the solution for for security. You actually don't you don't worry about the security. You just I I almost
1: almost on the face of it reject anybody proffering one single model as a panacea solution to an entire class of problem. I reject that. I don't I'm not going to I don't want to put maybe doing it tongue in cheek, though, which I don't want to put put words in his
0: mouth. So, I I, I mean, I'm I'm not sure what he thinks of security on a super
1: broad basis as because I'll tell you what, that's not going to pass an audit. Look, getting getting an audit, uh, either either a, a regulator or a client or somebody, you know, if you're talking uh, PCI or HIPAA or FedRAMP or any of these.
0: Well, you yeah. know, there's,
1: you just can't say, oh, we do die. And then they're going to say, oh, great. Nothing to do with No, here. no, no, no. Like that, that doesn't.
0: <laughs> no. Well, it, that I doesn't mean, pass to do anything. die is a, I mean, you, first of all, you need to be, it's a very, to get to die from where most places are, you know, like you said, when we come out of place, work. that's <laughs> a huge, huge amount of work okay so yeah. so no that's not happening uh and but you 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 know you mentioned auditors and passing an audit well yeah but but what are auditors auditing based on they're ba- they're basing it on the knowledge that we already have that has been inculcated over say the last 20 years this is a radical new idea the die approach is a radical new idea so the notion that it wouldn't fit with the auditors yeah i wouldn't expect it to what he's his pushing of this of this concept actually is i think more of a future state he's he's more of a a forward future thinker not about what to do today but what to do tomorrow so i wouldn't expect it to to fit with that kind of stuff um so he, he the, i mean it, it was it was plainly evident that the guy was really really damn smart when when speaking with him um we did have uh i, I was i was skeptical when it came to things that had permanence, like databases. The database is the one thing that I never got a, I didn't feel like I had a satisfactory understanding of how DAI actually would support and engage permanent data. And uh, I think, I mean, the way that it left was basically that was a carve out, but he was Mm -hmm. also trying to push the notion that, well, do you need that? What data actually lives there is that data actually permanent do you need that data to be permanent so he was actually making a push for where applicable databases and the data in them should actually be treated as cattle as well as it's something that you don't actually need to maintain and can just take out back and shoot which is a lovely thought but in the world we live in you know the the permanence of the data is is the is kind of the cornerstone and i know that the you can start making exceptions
1: for for data permanence uh you know legal well, data, carve-outs data and things like that but generally we want concept- to hold on data can cons- well n- you don't always uh, i mean why why do you think every website you visit now is trying to get you to log in over google facebook or apple or whatever instead of uh, giving you an email yeah, and a password they don't want yeah they don't want responsibility for the data
0: well it's not only they don't want responsibility for the data it's also but but but
1: what's his point there? Is his point that data as a construct is something that should be destroyed early and often? Or is his point that the specific bits resident on a specific host needs to go away early and often? Because there are solutions coming along that solve kind of enterprise RDBMS needs mm-hmm. while also taking... Uh, Taking uh, what I want to say, taking a page out of the NoSQL book about horizontal scalability and distribution and fault tolerance and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. To wit, there's something we've been looking into called, um, and now that the name's going to escape me, Yugabyte DB. It's it's there's a new class called New Right? You had NoSQL, now you have New <laughs> Oh um, boy, I, this is a which new is one basically on me. what is this? <laughs> it's 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 really it's a it's a um, high level uh as best I could describe it, I didn't expect to be talking about this, but high level as best I could describe it it is essentially um it gives you a relational database management system interface, so like a Postgres compatible wire protocol on the back end it's essentially doing uh kind of it's it's doing basically sharding on top of like a document store type system hmm. so okay. it's providing you. Th- they on the face of it they basically break acid uh they they basically break the um uh not acid the uh the the tried, uh, uh consistency availability and um consistency availability and permanence cap theorem thank you uh they they break the cap theorem on the face of it with caveats of course they don't actually do that but mm-hmm. um they basically give you uh, multi-region replication, horizontal scalability of something that looks to your developers like a SQL server, mm-hmm. a SQL compatible. Um, and a- anyway, the point is, um, does it maintain system, Acid?
0: Does it maintain Acid compliance?
1: Asterisk, yes. Okay. So, so again, because the way that they shard based uh, the the one Yugabyte itself was based off of, it's architecturally similar to and based off of. Um, Google's Spanner white paper. Spanner was a, a, a system that they published information about, I don't know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a couple, Cockroach, I think maybe another one that might not be Cockroach based off DB. of Spanner, yep. but that's in this new SQL category okay. um, where basically they 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 give you acid and they break the cap theorem and allow this multi-region horizontal scalability, fault tolerance, disaster recovery posture, and it's not that simple. They don't actually do all of those things at the same time. You got to make choices, but um, it's actually kind of good enough for practical purposes. Is what it's we're finding good, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, good enough. Um, good so, enough. so anyway, in in that case, I could treat uh, a server or a cluster, or indeed an entire you know uh, availability zone mm-hmm. as As an ephemeral, you know, thing full of data, and I could wipe it out and start fresh. According to this die principle, right? That's why I'm getting to the point. Does this guy saying that the data as a construct should be deleted often, or or that any given data on a given server should be recycled? I think it actually because that's tractable, whereas the former is that yeah, that's a paradigm shift. So
0: here's where we get. So here's where we, we. we reached the limits of my understanding and, uh, Oh, 55 rec- minutes ago. We reckon. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. All right. I'll, 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 you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. That one's pretty good. <laughs> all right. I'll give you that one. <laughs> so, uh, we're reaching the limits of my understanding of, of what he's describing. And this is also where he really starts to step into, into future think, because, Mm-hmm. He actually um, if huge caveat, you know, if I'm understanding it correctly, that um this is where uh it's not it's not you know whether or not that data is permanent. It's questioning whether or not there is a database at all. There's a need for the data. Because if you take this die concept to its extreme end, you end up with something that looks a lot like.
1: Say lambdas in AWS, for example. Where I was just a, thinking, if you think about it differently, there's a functional approach. It's a which functional, gets it the same and thing. that's
0: and so he is actually um, taking the, this notion that if you move far enough along down this road, all applications become lambdas. That's become, that sort of they and become this is a where temporary, light, short-lived thing. And so, yeah. if that's the case, there is no data because the thing just turns on, does its thing, and turns
1: off, and it doesn't matter. And so you've, and now and if you-, you pair, yeah, this is, I have, one of my teams is responsible for this next generation of architecture discussion. And one of the things we're talking about is exactly this. We have uh, obviously, you know, Im- immutable containers that run workloads. Uh, those can be written p- in pure functional terms, right? So those are stateless services. Um and then you put that on top of uh, a generalized reactive architecture. Mm-hmm. That is to say, uh, you know, tactically with the conversation we're having, an um, an event sourced data concept rather than an authoritative data warehouse. So mm-hmm. basically, functional services on top of something like Kafka, mm-hmm. and none of the services need to store state. Mm -hmm. Kafka stores Mm -hmm. events, not your your, events are what drives everything. And then uh, you can rewind, you can reset, you can audit things. You can look at changes over time. There's a whole lot of, now I think most real world companies are not ready for that. You're still going to have off to the side, whether it's just for reporting or you actually do kind of need you know, resident state. You're going to have a database somewhere, somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the normal day-to-day transactional processes, the systems that we build, yep. they can be shifted over to this type of framework. And it actually does provide a lot of advantage. Now, it's a major paradigm shift for it's a lot a of these-
0: huge mental shift. And I think that's There's a that's podcast the I've
1: listened here. to. Yeah, th- that'll be my pick later. It's a podcast I listened to uh, for a long time. And they talk about dark matter developers, which I think is just a phenomenal term, right? It's a great you have filter. these like, like DHH and so forth, like these really high profile. All they do is public. You can see what they're doing. You can see how they're doing it. The most of the industry, you never see them. You never hear from them. You don't know where they are. They're just down there. They're yep. banging away Java or C-sharp code eight hours a day. Uh, so these, this, I really love this term. Um that's a major paradigm shift for these dark matter developers. So oh, wait, um, hold on a sec.
0: Dark Okay, so so DHH David Heinemeier Hansen, the guy who created uh Ruby on Rails, Ruby on Rails he Basecamp. he is not a dark matter developer no, in this in no. this definition. Okay, so the dark matter no. people are the ones that are just simply in the proverbial basement so, just kind of cranking away on stuff. That's
1: what and enterprise, you know, proprietary enterprise software developers. Responsible for all the line of business applications that that we've seen over the years and have come to hate, (laughs) and which have paid for the office I'm streaming from right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So this is not, but they are dark matter developers are not what I have described as a heads down engineer. You and I have described as heads down
1: engineer. No, that's that's not that distinction is orthogonal to. Yeah. yeah. So a dark matter developer, they be uh, open source contributions—that's not it. High profile, like a DHH or so forth. Uh, the guys from .NET Rocks—I uh, 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 f- I forget their names—that that would not be considered, you know, this way. Your Microsoft MVPs. This—that's not who we're talking about. We're talking okay. about the guys who software engineering. It's a profession. It's a job. It's a nine to five. And the code that they crank out, yeah, it's—I mean, it's valuable, or they wouldn't be getting paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nobody outside of their team or their enterprise ever hears about it, ever sees it, their, their toils, their travails are not publicized. You know, they, they just, mm-hmm. we can't actually observe them directly as an industry. We know they exist They <laughs> form most of, most of the stuff that happens in this industry, right. but they're invisible. Oh, you know? And I, I just, I love the analogy.
0: So, all right. We can't actually observe them like dark matter. I get it. I yeah. got it. Okay. That's that. All right. So yes, it would be Getting over that, that hump huge is huge. Shift. It's a, it's a massive, massive paradigm shift. Yeah. And you're actually, I, I, I find there, there is some, some, some odd synergistic beauty in it though. The notion that we reach this point where the applications that you develop and, and then produce and release act and behave essentially like macro cosmic functions. Like if you think about it, that's that's
1: what they become. Like the application the pure, itself. And and be careful here, function capital F. Capital F functional, right? Which means uh which means they operate on immutable state and do not right. have side effects. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Now, that's to say nothing about
1: functional programming over object
0: oriented imperative. Because I, I yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a whole other argument and I, I still think functional we'll fight folder. about that we'll fight yeah. about that another day. yeah you'll lose but because... I mean just
1: you know the general concept right we get this huge file every night we gotta parse you know we gotta we gotta every line in the file means something different mm-hmm. and we gotta do something with each line of the file and then at the end of that process we might flip a bit on some customer's account well, everything except the bit flip is a stateless process mm-hmm. right so there's a there's a functional service that accepts the file there's a functional service that parses and and you know, an event comes along and says, hey, here's a new file. Mm-hmm. That's the input. The output is a new event for every line in the file. And there's some other functional service that's horizontally scalable, that's that's burstable, that goes and accepts messages of the file parsing event and does the thing. And that might actually be a stateful service mm-hmm. that flips that bit in the customer's account, but the rest of it, I don't need I don't need all of that. I don't need to design schemas. I don't need to manage any of that. Yeah, because the- it really does In theory, matter. you don't need any of it because you yeah.
0: they are. It's yeah. all means to an end. And so, if you get mm-hmm. the end, mm-hmm. then it doesn't. That, the and that's really it. Matter. That's, a, that's 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 no,
1: that's that's a that's a tremendous uh, uh, cap for the discussion because that's that's it exactly. You, you that's mm-hmm. you nailed the the verbiage there. Ninety percent of the processing is a means to an end, and right. all of that can and. You know that this team that we're arguing should be stateless, functional, and reactive it, mm-hmm. it should not be uh, an imperative kind of state machine it It should just be streams of events getting pushed out to arbitrary function. In fact, I'll link in the show notes for this there's a talk by a guy i'm um i'm a, a hobbyist woodworker, but i I use hand tools there's a a guy who is like me um had he does a talk. it's like an hour long is for a few years ago who Uh, equates functional programming as opposed to imperative. Mm -hmm. Uh, He equates functional programming to working with hand tools um, and the analogy is imperative programming working with power tools. And he said with a power tool, with an imperative language, you take your work the data and you mutate it with these giant spinning death machines. (laughs) Uh, And there's a lot of risk and it makes a lot of mess and uh, people still go to the ER every day because they lose thumbs. In the hand tool world, you, you, your tools that they don't, they are moving parts, right? You, you treat them as small, immutable, composable functions, and you bring the tool to the work. Mm-hmm. So you apply the function to this data and then you get some new data out of it. And then you take that, you apply a new tool to that data. And so it's a really elegant talk. I won't, I won't, you know, kind of go into it, but that's, that's the thrust of it. Uh, and as a, hobbyist woodworker kind of like. i'll link that in the show notes it's a good one that's cool but it kind of it kind of speaks to what we're what we're talking about with that functional um functional thing now the
0: ironic part about that though is that the 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 tools themselves the woodworking tools that were created they were created using imperative methods following that metaphor because they're they're made of metal and they would have been made in a machine shop with all of that Imperative?
1: No, for a, for a, that's, that is actually, I can, I can educate you on that. That is, uh, that is incorrect. Most of the hand tools can be made with hand tools. Uh, and the analogy actually continues to extend because these functional languages, the, the, like your, your development environment for the functional language is the runtime. So like, as mm-hmm. you're mutating these functions, you're mutating them in your environment real time. Mm-hmm. And there's just com- compositions of simpler functions all the way, you know, Always has been meme, right? It's just it's it was always a function. And again, I don't know if I'm misusing that meme. It could be something horrific or or dirty. Oh, I don't know. It's a great meme. But I just you know, who cares? Always has been. <laughs> uh, uh, do, you have, we do you have any uh, final thoughts on that? We really danced. We still we still didn't <laughs> we still didn't cover
0: solar winds completely, but that's all right. We got the the most important part of it was the the fact that it was a supply chain attack. You need to be thinking yeah. about your pipelines. That's the most important oh. thing. There are the after effects cleaning up the kind of mess that this hack created is an actual whole other discussion, not because of the hack itself. A nightmare. Because you can do, you know, the supply chain thing is, It's, I mean, that can apply to a whole bunch of things. Because of what was attacked here, because of what Orion's systems do, the exposure is massive and the yeah. cleanup is you know to restore trust in the things that were breached is going you you literally mm-hmm. i and i have heard cases of it and it makes sense to me understanding the problem cases of them literally pulling physical servers ripping out the Pulling gear, cords full, yeah. well, that, literally to pulling my point. cords and you, and replacing you have the gear to
1: to restore trust. You have to nuke it all and yeah, pave nuke and pave. Sometimes nuke and pave because you um, you can't prove a negative, and you you have to ensure that your environment's clean. And that's right. That's unfortunately
0: tough. though. You you and I are coming from a you and I jumped the shark there a little bit because there is a you know well okay yeah you have to do that, but
1: why and we, we skip the why and and how. So I I really like oh, we to- we assume a certain caliber of intellectualism in our our <laughs> listenership. That's why. <laughs> Yes. This will yeah. be left as an exercise to the reader. <laughs> I, God, I, I, I am becoming a math textbook after all. I, 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 Lord, I, I'm sorry about that. Right uh, I, I'd,
0: I'd like to think we're casting a wider net than that, especially since we're on the on the technical and the managerial and now the security side of things. But uh, I would really like to go back to uh, that hey. because the, the, the analysis of, of what was exposed and then how it was exposed and then the ripple effect of, okay, now because of this, then this, then this, then this. That's a really interesting conversation and was kind of where I wanted to go. So we'll revisit that for now, suffice to say, well, new the data new information's
1: is is coming out on that every day. Uh, but I think I think uh I think for our crowd it might be most interesting to look at it from the lens of how would how would you prevent this or how would you mitigate or how would you respond right, right. Um, before, during, and after. That's that's an interesting. Yeah. It's huge. Okay, beyond beyond your basic incident response that has been what it is for a billion years, um there's some takeaways there I think I think you're right to point out. We we should we should revisit. Oh,
0: and 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 because yeah, because of the thing that was exposed and how it was exposed, no. the, the ripple effect there is no. is pretty mammoth. Um no. so, yeah, we 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 sort of talked about, it. we didn't even talk about the Slack outage either, which was um less important. So, whatever, but uh disappointing. No. Especially since they're being bought right now, so I, I, I would.
1: S- can anybody who really loves Slack can they say "bought by Salesforce" without sounding bleh. grossed out? Yeah, I know. can. Any because I, I don't like Slack. I never have. Uh, I use it because I, I have Slack. to, but I've I've never loved it. Like, it, does it give you physical sensations of illness when you say "bought by it, Salesforce"?
0: Yeah, I I don't. I, yes, <laughs> I I, th- I mean Salesforce. <laughs> I like describing Salesforce. Salesforce is the is the digital business equivalent. They, they they are trying to make themselves into the digital business equivalent of the carbon molecule. They are trying to make themselves so foundational yeah. and fundamental to anyone. Hey, do you have a business? Does it do on thing, things on the interwebs? Then you need Salesforce. That's pretty much the business, argument
1: that they're trying to make. Does your business do stuff with things? Then you need our
0: product. <laughs> I mean, but they are really positioning themselves yeah. that way. And- I mean i I get it, but at the same time, you're a damn crM like that's all you were to start with was just is, a customer relation no
1: manager and and it is just I mean, ballooned Look, we are into this beneath. we are entering uh, we are entering a second age of monopoly I, I you could make the same accusation of Amazon you'd be spot on oh it's not even it's not even about
0: monopoly. it's about the it's about our natural inclination for Scope and feature creep. Do you know? So my company actually uses Salesforce. Do you know over the last two years they have been doing a feature pruning effort? They have been releasing these newsletters. I may be done now. I can't remember the last one I saw, but they actually, for a time in they were sending out newsletters saying, okay, next month this feature goes away as part of our pruning effort. And then this thing goes Mm -hmm. away and this thing goes away. Well, why is that? It's because you added all this bloated crap. To address yeah. individual concerns from individual customers, and so this this expansion of Salesforce as a concept is just that same problem on a macro level. Okay, well, well, we want to do this. I can tie is, this back. Like, chat. Let's
1: let's go buy Slack.
0: Well, why do you need to do yeah. chat? You know, and, and
1: I can and I can tie this back. And I and this is going to be a perfect end of this. I can tie this back to the one of the first things you said, which is technical teams owned by non-technicians, what happens here is that somebody's over top of the technology division. Somebody has a client that has a need and they say, great, let's build that feature for that client. Now, there are two ways you could do that. You could expose it as a client specific code path. You know, If client ID equals 4793, then do this extra logic, right? And everybody (laughs) would scream in horror, but hey, I've seen it done more than once. Or- you could say, great, you know what? That's an interesting workflow. That's what you say in your head. You're thinking, I need your money. I need your money. I need your money. So I'm going to have a couple of guys go off and they're going to build exactly the feature you want to your spec and we're going to release it for everybody because then maybe we right. can make more money. Well, it's feature first cre- That is a clients. non-technician approaching the problem and giving the dictates. The way to think about this issue is what is the underlying business need you have and how do I solve that in a general way so that I can actually a manage the technology I'm building to solve this problem, and mm. b then market it reasonably and sustainably to my entire customer base rather than having the equivalent of an if statement for your client i d. yeah, um and that's and i I have seen more times than not non-technical management make those kinds of bad decisions, and I'm not mad at them for not knowing what you know they have a foot they're given a foot gun. And it, I mean, there's only one outcome. Like I'm not mad about that, but but that is the effect. And so, when I've seen technical people in those roles, I see that mistake being made much less often, in, yeah. in my experience, which is admittedly limited.
0: Yeah, uh, my the the, the counter um, the the counter argument to be fair is, you know, Salesforce identify as a business identifying opportunities in the market and pursuing them. That's you know that's what a business does, right? But the and fact so, that
1: they have to cull features, they yeah, have that's to, it, uh, that's that's
0: two. Those are two different yeah. things. I and then there's the so there's the you know there's the feature creep, feature bloat that we're talking about, and then there's this this overall collective functionality monopoly thing that you're that you're describing. And I, you know, I always like, I think that the be, the businesses I have seen that run best are the ones that follow, um, that are that are run similarly to the paradigm for Linux functions. Do one job and do it really, really, really well. And just focusing on that, the, that. Talking about principle. the Unix
1: philosophy there. Common interface, but you do one job and then you you get out of the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Linux functions is how it's actually implemented, but fine. Okay, be a, be a super nerd about it. Um, and- You're welcome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and if they uh, the biz and the business equivalent to that because they're, they're actually this actually has a nice corollary you've got the, the unix philosophy of do one job well fits very well with the notion of the hedgehog principle
1: you know yeah. from, let each team do their one thing really well yeah, and hed- and to be fair you know, aws what you see is 70 hedgehogs that's well kind if, of if and you hedgehog- look at just I, I my commentary was amazon as a as a whole but but if you look at AWS, this is exactly how it's set up.
0: Yeah, true. Right. And the Hedgehog concept is Jim Collins. It's for, it's a concept from, from Jim Collins. He he has, um, this this came out of Good uh, to Great. Good yeah. to Great. Mm-hmm. His book, Good to Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hedgehog concept is probably one of the most important takeaways of that entire book. Um, and it, it you know, that is the Unix philosophy applied to businesses. That's really what it to is. To be about.
1: honest with you, that's a great book. I recommend it to one and all. Jim Collins, Good to Great. There are only exactly two things I remember from it. One is hedgehog and two is the bus. And, the, and bus. the the story there is about team building. And I've I've been um I've been uh I've I've said this before. My most important job as a leader is getting the right people on the team and the wrong people off, hiring and firing well, in other words. And so mm. he uses the analogy of a bus. Get the right people on your bus, get the wrong people off your bus worry about who's sitting where later later that'll sort itself out yep. if the right crowd is on the bus, bus. Yep. Uh, those are I, I know he's got a i think there's a third point in that book but i never remember what it is <laughs> he's, he's got more than he's got more than three there's there's, got, there's
0: quite a few no no as i recall there were exactly only
1: three <laughs> it's a rather thick book i really do think it's there hard. were more words than that no no you're mistaken oh, only okay. only three no okay. but at those are the two in, in my life, those are the two uh, big takeaways that, but anyway, but that's a, I mean, that's a seminal work. If you're, uh, if you've got any kind of business or entrepreneurial leanings, that is, uh, that's, that's required. I mm-hmm. require it of you as the listener. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: all right. Well, we are actually over time at this point. And, uh, I we are I've a got, little, I think, I think I've got some, some, uh, some other work knocking at my door here. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we're gonna have to call it there. I mean, we made a bunch of recommendations though. So I mean, a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of good, uh, good picks to, uh, to pick from. So
1: we do. And I did, I did mention uh, what I, what I would pick, uh, which would be the uh, coder radio, mm-hmm. um, which is a, which is an interesting show. It's a, a couple of guys. They talk nerd kind of, kind of like us. They, they look at the intersection of, um, you know, business and tech um uh, not necessarily from from technical management although the one guy they they are entrepreneurs they they own small shops you know they they they're sim- in the same space um and that's where that's where uh, you know copyright registered trademark sign um that's where dark matter developers uh, comes from <laughs> so i think they're over at um, they're over at coder.show if i recall they went on a hiatus for a year or two uh, but they recently started recording again
0: nice so uh, between that, I'd say Jim Collins, and then the uh, the die model, distributed immutable ephemeral, got a whole bunch of stuff you can huh? look at there. So go get yourself some augmented knowledge and level yourself up.
1: Super augmented, silent and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this.
0: All right, buddy. I'm gonna have to bounce. Good conversation. All right, let's Frank. pick up solar
1: winds next week. Yeah, let's talk a little Orion. Ryan. I, I I think there's I think there's value there.
0: Yeah. All right, man. All right, man.
1: You have a good Take one. Take care of yourself. See ya. Cheers.